All right, here's a couple of funnies before we get into our message. Um, wife said to her husband, do you want dinner? And the husband said, what are my choices? And the wife said, yes and no. <laughs> a father and son were having a conversation, and the son said, Dad, I've heard that in some parts of the world, a man doesn't know his wife until he marries her. And the father spoke to his son and said, son, that's true everywhere. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> well, well. All right. All right. Now, here's some little granny wisdom. You got that granny picture up there? Y'all like granny? I, she's, yeah. I, I got people like this in my family, like her, you know. They've kept me straight all my life, actually. All right. So, quit thinking you're all that. You ain't even all there. Isn't that true for most of us, right? All right. All right. Let's, let's move on into Psalm 23. All right. Take your Bible. Turn to Psalm 23 if you got it your phone, your Bible, whatever, you, whatever you're using these days. We're in our series, No Fear, No Worries. And um, the, the bad news is, is that I think next Sunday we're going to preach the last message in Psalm 23. I don't know how you get with these series and teachings and stuff, but I get attached to them. I kind of hate to let them go. I just get, try to get as much as I possibly can while the Lord's speaking in a particular vein. I kind of look at it like, like a gold mine. You strike gold in the mine, you just keep going down that vein until it runs out. And so that's kind of what we like to, like to teach around here. Psalm 23, we're talking about no fear, no worries. Today is message five in this set. Uh, we're calling it Fear No Evil. Everybody say fear no evil. Fear no. All right. All right. That's okay for the delay. That was good. Y'all did it together. <laughs> y'all scared me. I thought y'all was going. <laughs> we ain't saying it. <laughs> fear no evil. All right. Come on, stand with me. Let's read the word together. Always want you standing up for the word. All right. Psalm 23, let's read it together. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, we thank you for the blessing over your word. We thank you, Lord, that that would just be imparted to us today. You'd make your word bread for us. We take it, Lord. And because we met with you and we've received your word, our faith will be stronger. Help us to learn to live that life where there is a place in you, Lord, where we can live without fear. and We can live without all the anxiety and worry that tends to plague our minds. We thank you so much. We thank you for being our shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated, gang. I want to major today on that verse number four. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. That says a whole lot, doesn't it? That says a whole, whole lot right there. The Lord is my shepherd. So we, we've kind of been building this idea, this testimony that David has given to us. And, and most of us as followers of Jesus would, would have the same kind of testimony that David has. The Lord is my shepherd. I, I don't have any want in my life. I have no lack. I have everything that I need simply because, not because I'm the smartest or the best or, or the most resourceful. I, I'm really not. But because he provides and he has restored my life in many, many ways, he's brought me back from the, from the grave many times over and he leads me. 
He takes me and leads me in these paths that I need to go to where I go the right way I should go. This is the sheep's personal testimony of God's goodness in their life. And it's not just about life now. Notice this, it's about life with God. See, we didn't just come to gather today. We came to gather with God. You know, because we can gather down at Bimbo's or Harbor or, or go to Meridian somewhere. We can go gather somewhere else. But we come with great intent in, in our services and our worship time together. We don't just come to gather. We come to gather with God. And He's in our midst. And He's with us. And that's what the psalmist is saying. He said, I've learned that I don't only gather with God with people, but God's with me all the time. He's my companion. He's my friend. He's my shepherd. He's with me every single step of the way. Now, remember that the setting is the Judean wilderness, right? Now, this will be the last time we show you some pictures of the Judean wilderness today. Um, Lord willing, we'll get to take a trip over to Israel and we'll, we'll go walk these hills and look at some of these things and, and experience it firsthand. But for now, this is, this is what we're doing. We're showing you some ideas of the setting of Psalm 23. Okay, we're going to cue that video, Jonathan, will you? Uh, this is this is the Judean wilderness. You meant to hit that little play button right there. We got we got to put some audio on it. All right. So now remember the Judean wilderness. It's it's rocky. It's it's a wilderness area. It's hilly. Lots of valleys. All right. Here we go. Take a look at this. This is Psalm 23. This is the shepherd country of Israel. Okay. You see all that? Now see the valley. We're going to talk about the valleys today. See those valleys? All right. Here's the mountain tops. You see some paths. See that little dirt path down at the bottom of the screen right there and that valley coming right through there? Mm-hmm. Coming. This is the shepherding country of the hillsides of Judea. This, David would have walked these hills, okay? Now, coming up, look at this valley right over here. Though I walk through the valley. See that? Right there. Now, look at that. I told you it's a shepherd country. Look, we joked last week, that's Mosley Bridge Church right on top of that hill right there. There's a little flock. See, they're eating the grass that's on those hills. It's, you can't see it very much. It's, it's sparse, but there's green grass there. But look at these valleys. That's kind of what we're going to talk about today. We need some comfort in these spots. We need some good leadership in these spots, good protection in these spots. All right? That You just watch Psalm 23. All right? That's a picture of life. Life's a lot like this desert sometimes. It's hot. It can get nasty. It can get difficult. It can be kind of dangerous. David realized, even though I go into a dangerous world, I've got a good shepherd with me. He's taking care of me. All right? So I hope you're enjoying those videos and all that good stuff. If you're watching this on podcast or go back and look at it later, we'll have in the, in the detailed notes, you'll have a link to all these videos and things like that. All right? So last week we talked about he leads me in paths of righteousness. And now it's a progression. He leads me in these paths of righteousness for his namesake, and sometimes the path goes through difficult, dark, and dangerous places. The, even the path of righteousness sometimes goes through very dark, difficult places. So now as we walk this path with God, it gets to a hard place in verse number four. Okay. Now this is our least favorite part of life. I don't like dark places. I don't like difficult places. But how many of you have been in one before? Yeah, it's, it's kind of general to all of us. We all go through those things. The psalmist here calls it the valley of the shadow of death. Now, there, there are mountaintop experiences in life. Do you like those? But if you're going to have a mountaintop experience, guess what you got to do first? got to climb mountains, don't you? you got to learn to climb mountains. you got to learn to overcome some things. And in order to overcome, you got to come over, right? 
So we, we go through these mountaintop experiences and these dark valley experiences, and it, it all comes as a package deal. You know, I, I found this early on. When I got saved, it just didn't all just turn out good for me. It didn't all turn out rosy. Anybody got that kind of testimony too? Uh, in fact, sometimes it seemed to get a little more, more difficult. I know that's not a real popular message to preach and all that kind of stuff, but Jesus talks to people and he says, you want to come follow me? Uh, take up your cross. And oh yeah, by the way, I don't have a place to live either. You're going to live out here with me. He talks about a, kind of a difficult path, a little, bit, a little bit harder thing for us sometimes. So there are difficult mountains to climb and dark valleys to walk through. It's just a fact of life. It's a fact of living here. Now, sometimes, Jesus tells us this, sometimes we can speak to mountains and they move. We, those are good times, aren't they? Man, we can't wait to get to church when that happens. I got to tell everybody. I can't wait. I love it when God moves mountains. But how many have ever prayed for God to move a mountain and he gave you a pair of hiking boots for Christmas instead? You ever done that? And, and that seems to be part of his MO too. Sometimes he does move that mountain. Thank God for that idea. And hey, I'm going to speak to it. And if it don't move, I'm going to have to climb it. But I'm still going to speak to it because Jesus told me to. But when it doesn't move sometimes, many times you've got to learn to walk those paths and climb those mountains, and they're not always easy. Now, here's the idea. As, as people, we don't pray for an easy path because that's just not reality. There's no sense in you getting stuck in some kind of fantasy world that everything's going to be easy just because you're on the way to heaven. It's not necessarily the truth. In fact, that's never the truth, really. Don't pray for an easy path. Pray for better feet. The psalmist helps us out with a lot of that. The prophets help us out. Lord, don't, don't just make my path easy because I know that's not reality. There's no sense in me even living in that kind of fantasy world. But Lord, make my legs strong. Make my back strong. Make my mind strong. Make my feet strong so that I can face whatever i got to face and I can go through whatever i got to go through. I know it's coming. Make me stronger than that. That's what he's talking about here. Okay. And parents, parents, please, please. Listen, especially those with smaller children, listen. Don't prepare the path for your child. Prepare your child for the path. That's really important. Because if you take every boulder out of the way and every obstacle out of the way and they never learn to climb and they never learn to persevere, they never learn to push through, they never learn to motivate themselves, they never go there, and you're always taking care of them, doing everything for them, and acting like they're the king and queen of your castle, you are in trouble and they're even more trouble. So don't prepare the path for them. Prepare them for the path because it's not going to be easy. And you're not always going to be there to take care of it either. I had to learn that with grown kids. That's a hard lesson because I want my, my, my kids to have a, a, a good time. I want them to have a good path. I want them to be successful. But sometimes we take that caterpillar and cut it right out of the cocoon, hoping it'll fly. And it never does because we take out the struggle. Isn't that true for a lot of us? All right. So, parents, just, just take that. I, I hope it helps you. All right? So, now here, here's an idea from Habakkuk. I'm, I'm going to show you another video here in just a second. Lord, strengthen my legs and feet. Habakkuk. He's one of those prophets that's not read that much. Just three little short chapters he's got there. But he ends his, his prophecy with this. He says, The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. And he will make me walk on the high hills. So we're talking about stronger feet, stronger legs. He will make my feet like... Now, in, in Israel, they've got these, these deer, and they've got these goat, mountain goat type things. Well, I'm going to show you a picture of a mountain goat, but you're going to get the same idea, that where they have to climb these rocks. They live in these hills that you just saw a video of. They live in these hills. 
Now I want to show you a picture. This is another video. It's only a couple, two or three minutes long. Another video here. Watch this. This is amazing because this is what Habakkuk's saying. Lord, make my feet strong so that I can walk the path of life. Watch this. Y'all don't know y'all's going to get to watch TV when you come to church today, did you? Right, let's watch this. We're going to need that volume, guys. This is the Judean wilderness, same place. This is Israel. Up here, your footing needs to be firm, and a head for house is essential. This is amazing. Meet the others. The Ibex. They've made these precarious cliffs their own. But for these newborn Ibex kids, this rocky wall. Everybody said, oh. <laughs> now watch these little guys. See, the prophet says, make my feet like these guys here now. This is, this is the picture. See, all, all the food's down in the valley now. I already said that. <laughs> Check this out. This is bad to do. This is Habakkuk saying this now. Lord, make me be able to do these difficult places like this. I want to walk them. Now, the steep terrain that has kept them safe can turn treacherous. Come on, little buddy. Their mother leads the way. The kids are understandably tender. But Ibex are born with remarkable feet made for just this purpose. That cloven hoof thing, you know, that three-part. Look at that. That's wild, isn't it? Come on, buddy. Make my feet like that, Lord. That's what the prophet's saying now. Their mother shows them the best way. She's done it hundreds of times before. Look at that. That's wild. Gradually, the kids start to get around. But they need to focus. One slip could be their last. Focus, Danielson. Focus. Mm-hmm. All right, you, you, you get the idea. You get that. Now back up, back up again to, the, to that scripture right there in Habakkuk. Now you've seen that, okay? Now nobody had to explain that to Habakkuk's audience because they, they live with these animals running around the hillsides all the time. Now go back to this. Now Lord, the Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet or like the feet of this mountain goat to where I can walk. He will make me to walk on the high hills. Hey, it's rough out there, y'all. You probably figured that out already, hadn't you? And there's not a whole lot of mercy in that world. So we need to be stronger than that world is. And all the temptations and all the, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Go to the next picture there. Go past that video there, Jonathan. 
Here's another picture of these guys. Graceful. We're asking, make my feet strong so I can be graceful. So that's the idea of grace. Isn't it beautiful just seeing them come down those mountainsides, how graceful they were? <laughs> that's what you get in Alabama, right? <laughs> that's, Lord, make me graceful where I can walk in these difficult spots. Make me swift where I can outrun those who are running after me or outrun the troubles that's trying to take me down. Make me strong. Make me agile. Make me sure-footed. Come on, let's pray that. Can we do that? Can we pray along those lines? Lord, we, we need your help here. We, we want to pray, Lord, make it easy. That would be our first prayer, really. But that's not always reality. So make us strong. Make our feet strong. There's some folks here today walking through some very difficult things. That nobody may even know about it. Going through difficult places in life, walking difficult paths. And it is the valley. And it's the shadow of death leaning over them, threatening everything they've got. Lord, I pray you would strengthen them. Strengthen them. Encourage them by your voice, by your word, Lord. Strengthen them. Give them the feet to walk this out. And at the end, give them the testimony that they need. We thank you. Make us stronger in what we got to face. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so the psalmist calls it the valley of the shadow of death. Now, there's actually really a, a place called that in Israel. Go to that next slide right there. This is, this is a picture of one of the places they call the valley of the shadow of death or the valley of the deep darkness. You see it, you would only get sunshine one or two hours a day, maybe if that, in that valley. You see how the, the sun would just kind of be gone? So it's dark. it's dark. Now, these are the kind of places where sometimes we get taken advantage of as sheep. They're predators that, that know these places too, you know. And the path tightens up. Sometimes you just got to walk through it. Sometimes it's very difficult. We're under pressure. We're under threat. Enemies, predators are trying to take advantage, trying to, trying to take us out. Temptation comes. All right? It's the valley of deep darkness. Now, he says the valley of the shadow of death. The fear of death is, is one of our greatest fears, isn't it? It really is. Either, either our own personal death or the death of someone that's very close to us. And, and many of you, unfortunately, have had to walk, many of us have had to walk this path with loved ones. It's the valley of the shadow of death. I want you to hear a perspective that Paul gives us because of Jesus because of his cross, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, this is, this is what Paul pulls out of all of that and the promises that Jesus has made to all those who follow him. Paul says this in Philippians 1.21. He says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That's a whole different perspective on life, isn't it? If you live with that idea that if I live, I'm going to live for Christ's sake, or if I die, it's payday. It's reward time. It's gain. That's, a, that's, that's the way Paul lived his life. You, you read the book of Acts and all the crazy stuff that Paul went through and he faced and shipwrecks and persecutions and jail and beatings and left for dead and actually killed one time and raised from the dead. All this kind of stuff that Paul had to face, the brutality of life that was the reality of his, his faith at that particular time. Paul said, I'm not afraid. How can you live like that? That's, that's what the psalmist is teaching us. Paul learned to live as Christ, to die as gain. So he'd walk into a synagogue and nobody liked him. And he, and he would say, that's all right, I'm good. Grace, graceful. Amen. Make my feet like the feet of a deer. Amen. <laughs> he, 
Paul would walk into a place where nobody liked him. In fact, hated him, had, had warrants out for his arrest, wanted to kill him. And we would have had the chance. And he'd walk in there and said, I ain't afraid of y'all. What are you going to do? Kill me? <laughs> you know, what, good, you do me a favor. And I said, now he's not wanting that. He says that very, very clearly. He doesn't want that to happen, but he's not afraid. There's no fear. There's no fear. Because for me to live is Christ, but if I die, that's a game. So you're facing something that's threatening your life. Keep that attitude. And you can't make that up. I mean, it's got to be faith. It's got to be real. It's got to be something that you and the Lord have worked out and the Lord's revealed himself to you in such a way that you're not afraid anymore. Now, you don't want it, but you're not afraid of it. Does that make sense to you? All right. right, You you, you get what I'm talking about. Let's put this right back up here. All right. All right. So, uh, well, just leave it right there then. All right. And he says to be with Christ is far better. And for, for the believer now, death is just a mere shadow. You know that? I like the wording there, the valley of the shadow. Death, for us as believers, death has lost its sting. You know that? It's lost its sting. It, it, it doesn't have any power over us. In, in fact, he says, I will fear no evil. I'm going to walk through these very dark, difficult places, and I will fear no evil. Say that again with me. I will fear no evil. Say it like you mean it. I, I will fear no evil, right? Why? Because you're with me, God. It's, it's not because I'm strong and I'm tough and I can beat it. It's because I know who's with me. And we're aware of God being close to us, present with us. Not off in some distant land called heaven somewhere, but He's present with me now, today. I know this by faith. And sometimes I know it by feeling. You ever felt Him be close to you? I, I pray you experience more of that. Now, we don't walk by our feelings and live by our feelings, but I'm glad He gave us feelings. Because I need to feel Him sometimes. How about you? I need to know he's with me. And I, and, and I hear it, testimony and testimony after time and time again from people, from the scriptures. But then that's a confirmation when I get in his presence and he makes himself known to me. Jesus said it like this about the nearness of God to us in the new covenant. He said that the Holy Spirit, Jesus himself said, the Holy Spirit shall be in you and he shall be with you. So when is God with me? When I come to church on Sunday? No, no, no. He's in me if I'm a believer. So that means everywhere I go, right? I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to hang my head. Everywhere I go, he's in me. And everywhere I go, he's with me. Thank you, Jesus, for that. In fact, Jesus said it like this in Hebrews 13, 5. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to fear any evil because you are with me, Lord. You are with me. Now, you know, everybody get your hand. Put your hand out like that, will you? Let me show you something. See, my shepherd is so close to me all the time that everything, take your other hand, everything that comes my way must first pass through his hand. You hear me? Everything that comes my way must first pass through his hand. It's got to first pass through my shepherd. He's that close to me that everything that comes my way has got to go through him before it gets to me. Especially if I'm walking close to him. I don't have to fear anything because before it touches me, it has to come through him. And he don't let a lot of stuff through. You hear me? Just keep that in mind. Now, there's a little nuance right here in the psalm. Notice how God is in this psalm in a a very real tangible way right here. He says right here, as we're building through the psalm, coming through it, my shepherd, he makes me, he restores, he leads me. That's, That's a pronoun in the third person, right? It's like you're telling a story. 
And then the next idea is you are with me. Do you see the change right there? Now, that's a big deal now. That's not a little thing. Because it's like, he's with me. You, and he looks over at God and says, you are with me. Now he's, he's writing this psalm, this psalm, this song, this, this poem. And he says, i got to tell everybody about this. And then he, he, he's, he's awesome. He's wonderful. He's a provider. He's taking care of me. You are with me. You see what I'm talking about? You are. I mean, God, is that real to him? That he's writing a song for us to hear. And he, and he looks over at God for a second. And he says, you really with me. And see, it's like this. It's like this. Put, put an eye on a fishing trip. Okay, now this has not happened. Okay, put an eye on a Yeah, we're going, all right. We're on a fishing trip, okay? Something happens, I have a little incident, and I, I fall off the boat, which is possible. <laughs> I, I fall off the boat. And, and I'm telling this story and saying, man, put got us to a good place. He took care of us. He put us right in a good fishing hole. Man, we were catching them. He and I were doing great on this thing. And, and, and then I fell in the water. And, and Pud reached over and pulled me out. And I said, and I'd look over, and I'm telling you the story. And I said, man, you have been a good friend to me. You saved my life that day. And we just have a moment, a little bro moment. <laughs> you know, that's what David just did. He just had a moment with God. Did you see it right there? I mean, it's so personal and so, uh, so alive in his mind. He's telling the story. And then all of a sudden he looks over at God and said, you have been with me this whole time. I pray that God becomes that real to you. That you're riding along and uh, you're, you're talking, you're praying, and you look over in your seat and you're passing your side and say, Thank you for being with me. Wouldn't it be great if our relationship with God goes from third person to he's right here person? Yes. <laughs> That's why I like a lot of our worship songs. They go to a lot of you, 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 you. It's, it's me and him interacting. You see, don't, don't miss those little things in Scripture because I, I think they're really, really important. I pray God becomes that aware, aware, uh, real, excuse me, whatever. <laughs> don't, don't try this at home. I, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I will fear no evil. Now see those predators, those are real predators in Israel, the leopard and the wolf, they're some of the, the, the worst ones. I will fear no evil. I, I, don't, I don't fear the enemy that's coming after me. And some of us are so enemy conscious that we can't be God conscious. Don't let your mind go there now. Enemy's real. We don't want to be slack on that idea. But the reason I don't fear it's not because he's not after me. It's because I know who's with me. And one, one passage says this. It says, I will fear no evil. The idea goes like this. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Amen. You hear that? It didn't just say greater is God. It says greater is the God that lives inside of me than he who's after me. So I don't have to live in fear. All right, I will fear no evil. Now, let's get into this idea of this fear of death again. It's Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 says this, Inasmuch then, as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he, Jesus himself, likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. And by doing that, he released those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. See, Jesus didn't just deliver us from death through the resurrection. He said, I want you to live without the fear of death as well. Right? You are with me. You, you're with me. You're with me. Now, you're with me in this room. 
but are you really with me? You know what I'm talking about, how we use that terminology? My, my wife is here in this room with me, but my wife is with me. You know, we're joined together in this fight. We're, we're with each other. And, and I've had buddies that we go into battle and things of that nature. And he, they would say, I'm with you. I got your what? I got your back. That's, you're with me. He's got my back. In fact, he doesn't just have my back. The scripture identifies God's presence in our life is that he leads me. He's out in front. He's got my rear guard. He's got me behind. He's walking beside me. He's got me covered every single way. The perimeter is secure around me. And if it, gets, if it gets through him, it can have me. But good luck with that. <laughs> I will fear no evil. And then he says this. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff. You see the pictures there? You see the staff? It's that long stick. Sometimes it would have a, sometimes it'd be straight. Sometimes it'd have a little crook in it. What's that staff used for? And staff's used to, to guide the sheep and to, to lead them around. And maybe the sheep's getting a little close to the edge, so he, he bumps him. That's conviction, right? <laughs> or maybe he turns that crook, the, the, shepherd, or the sheep's going off path a little bit, and they take that, that crook of that staff and pull that sheep a little bit closer. Or maybe the sheep needs to be pulled a little close because it needs examination and needs some kind of treatment or something like that. So he'd take that crook and he'd pull that sheep up and he'd pick it up and put it in his arms. Okay. The staff comforts me because it's the staff that lets me know that he's close. It's close. And here's the rod. See the rod? Basically kind of a sawed-off baseball bat. The rod. Now, there's a lot of things in the Bible that's called the rod, the rod of correction, things like that. But in this context with Psalm 23, the rod is protection. It's what God uses to protect me from those that are after me, the things that are after me. The shepherd would be very skilled. You see this idea right here? What, what's this thing right here? It's got a sling. Don't we have a sling story in the Bible? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. A David story, right? A shepherd would get really good at that sling. But he would get really good with this rod, too. This rod is for when those up-close moments come and the predator may be in that valley that I don't see him, the shepherd takes that rod and takes care of that predator. Or maybe I'm off a little bit and the shepherd and, or the sheep and the, the predator over there, that, that shepherd's very skilled in that, that rod. He'll take that rod. Very, very skilled. I live my life Underneath the protection of not just any shepherd, but the good shepherd. This good shepherd is called the Lord of hosts in Scripture. Strong and mighty in battle is he. The Lord of hosts is your guard. You hear that? The Lord of hosts. And he's got a host of angels that can protect you and watch over you. You don't have to live in any kind of fear. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants to plague your mind. Even if he can't get to you, he'll try to get thoughts through the barrier and get you to absorb it in your mind and live with that tension and that fear and that torment inside of you. He'll try to get that. He can't get to you, so he'll throw something and lob it over the wall. Those thoughts. And the psalmist says, I've learned not to take his bait. If he's talking... I ain't listening. <laughs> I believe that's what Jesus, how he handled him on the Mount of Temptation. Devil, if you're talking, I'm not listening. Take these stones, turn them to bread. But we know Jesus has got that kind of power. He could have. He multiplies fish and loaves and bread and all that, all that kind of stuff on the hillside. He's got that kind of power. Why didn't he do it then? Because I don't listen to you. I don't listen to the enemy. I don't take my cues from him. All right. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They give me great security. 
You want to know about my shepherd's rod and staff? Ask Pharaoh about it. <laughs> Isn't there another rod story in the Bible? Remember another rod story? Moses led them out of, the, out of Egypt with a rod, didn't he? In fact, that rod is to show the shepherd's strength and care over his people in so much a way that in the Ark of the Covenant, there were only three items. And guess what one of them was? It was a rod. The shepherd's rod. Aaron's rod that budded. Remember that? Okay. Ask Pharaoh, what does he think about that rod? That rod of Moses. What does he think? Yeah. He's not really up to talking these days. <laughs> Let's wrap it up with this. Our shepherd. He descends into the deepest, darkest valley. The deepest, darkest valley of all. He descended into the valley of sin and death. You notice what Jesus did for you? He went into the darkest valley possible. And he passed through there for our sake. And in John 10, 11, Jesus says this. I want you to understand that I am the good shepherd. And he makes no bones about it. He, he makes, makes it said, I'm really the only good one, really. And the good shepherd is willing to give his life for the sheep. You know, that's what Jesus did for us. Through that valley of sin and death, he himself walked right through that darkness and came out on the other side. And he gave himself for us. He conquered sin and death, and now he extends his victory to everybody who wants to follow. That's how good your shepherd is. That, that, you know what Jesus is saying? I want you to know that my commitment to you, to you personally as my sheep, my commitment is that there are no limits to my commitment. You hear what he's saying? I will commit everything to you to the point that it will cost me everything. And I'll walk through that valley for you. You hear what he's saying? Let's read this one more time. We'll close. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I believe what the Lord would want us to get out of this is comfort today. A comfort that brings courage to our heart, a comfort that brings strength to our legs, a comfort that makes me go, I'm going to be okay. You walk with him, you will be. That's the promise, right? Jesus is our comfort, and I will fear no evil. Let's pray.